if you'll notice there in verse 11, and the beast, the head of this last world government, that was, is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seventh, and goeth into perdition. Says that twice. So remember, the head of all these nations that at one time or other has had dominance over the nation of Israel because Israel was promised that if it served the Lord, they'd be the head, not the tail. So their rebellion caused them to be the tail, and there's seven heads under which they have fallen under. But it says that this uh, one is uh, going to be a, a beast, and something strange that happens to them. And when John wrote the book of Revelation, he says in verse 10, there are seven kings, five fallen, one is, the other is not yet come. So whenever you had the five that existed before, and then during the Roman Empire, that's number six, and then the last one is going to call down, the last 2,000 years, see, Israel's been out of the land. And then you have the last world power that's going to exist, but it's going to be ten nations that are going to come together and give their power to the beast. So this, this last one, is of the, the seventh, because they will give their power to this beast, but he's of this group. So the question is, is are we living at a time when we're talking about a beast that has this head, and he's going to die now, or is he someone who's died before? So I had that question. So, but when I read this here in the book of Revelation, it seemed like he's somebody, if it's possible, that has already lived and died but he had to have a head wound and comes back from the dead. So it, uh, it do get interesting trying to put it all together. Now, I want you to take your Bible and look there in the book of... Well, look at this here. While we're right here. In Revelation chapter 13. Because whoever he is, this is what he does. In verse 7, And he was, it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So this is the last power. And whenever you read in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, it says that he will destroy the saints. And then it says later on, they will possess the kingdom. So there's going to be a lot of people that are going to die during this period of time. So take your Bible and look here in the book of John in chapter 17. The Gospel of John in chapter 17. John chapter 17 is the prayer that Jesus Christ makes. Uh, this is uh, the real Lord's Prayer. And you'll notice in the midst of his prayer, he makes a statement that's not said about anybody else. Never said about anybody else. We know that he says that he made the statement to a guy named Judas. He says that he, the devil, entered into Judas and that he was of the devil. But look what he says here in chapter 17 and verse 12. While I was with them in the world. Now he's talking to his father, Christ says, I kept them in thy name, those that thou gavest me, I have kept. None of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. In other words, while he was there, not that he was saved and then he got lost. No, he was never saved to begin with. 
But Judas betrayed the Lord. And he did so because Satan entered into him. Judas, the Bible says, went out and hanged himself. And it says that he burst headlong and burst his bowels all over the place. And then it talks about they had to get somebody else to take his place. And it talks about him going to his own place. Not like you and I or somebody else who's lost, but going to another place. Now, take your Bible and turn there to the book of Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians and chapter 2. You'll notice in chapter 2 and in verse 3, it says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a fallen away first, which I believe is a reference to the rapture. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. There's only one that's ever been called that. Somebody supposed to have died and had a head wound and comes back to life, so to speak. Now, he didn't go to heaven. And he didn't go to paradise in the heart of the earth. But there's a good possibility he did go because he was lost to a place of destruction, which we call the place or the pit of hell, which is the abyss. It also says here that this son of perdition is mentioned here. And then talking about who in verse 4 opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Now whether or not that's any connection, I don't really know. Only that the scriptures point this out. And if there is a connection, so be it. But it's not going to cause me to stay awake at night. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. It, it won't matter. It's not going to amount to a hill of beans. But only that I believe God's word will be fulfilled and that during that period of time, people will know, they will have knowledge. They will be able to count the number of this last beast and the mark of the name and so forth. All this stuff will be understood. And he says that these two, the beast and the false prophet, are going to do everything in their power to deceive the whole world. Now in Book of Luke in chapter 21, it talks about keeping yourselves from the snare that will come upon the whole earth. Because right before that, it talks about uh, for fear of those things that are coming upon the earth. Men's hearts failing them. And then he talks about, then shall they lift up their eyes and their redemption draweth nigh. Talking about when Christ comes back to the earth at the end of the tribulation period. Now, the reason is because all of the truth that God has given, and he's going to have 144,000 Jewish evangelists that perhaps could have been one to the Lord because of the two lampstands, the two uh, olive trees that were mentioned in the chapter 11 of the book of Revelation. But there's a lot of people that are going to trust Christ as their Savior. A lot of people are going to die. Now, look what he says here. Down here in verse 9, he says, Even him whose coming, talking about Christ, whose coming is after the working of Satan. So the tribulation period, the last half of it, which is the great tribulation period, 
is the working of Satan. Satan is at work with all of his wrath that he can pour out upon God's people. And the Bible says that he will destroy God's people. And I'll show you that in a little bit if I can remember to go back to it. But look what he says now in verse 9. He says, after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because why? Why is he able to deceive them? Because they would not believe the truth. If you don't believe the truth, you will believe a lie. Now, let me just kind of break in here just a little bit. You've trusted Christ as your Savior. You have eternal life. You're going to heaven when you die. Did you know that the rest of your life, you're either going to believe truth or you're going to believe a lie? And if you believe the truth, you'll serve the Lord. And if you don't, you're going to believe a lie. It's either you're believing truth or you're believing a lie. It can't be neutral. You're either going to serve the Lord or you're not going to serve the Lord. You say, well, I don't want to do what God wants and I don't want to do what the devil wants. I'm going to do what I want. And you don't get it. There's only two main forces in this world. There's God and there's the devil. And you're either walking with God or you're working with the devil. So look what he says in verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because, get this, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So why does God let all this happen? Why does he let the devil have such power to deceive the world? Because they wouldn't believe the truth. God said, I'll give you something you can believe. He allows the devil to do all these wonders, these miracles, these signs. But remember, Satan is always limited. He can't do everything he wants to do. There's a time limit on this fellow. He can only do so much. The Bible talks about in the book of Daniel, uh, the Antichrist will do a couple of things. One will be to change times. And laws. The change time. And laws. And the chapter 7 can be just about lined up with chapter 13. Uh, the way that everything falls together there. But you'll find out that the time will come. When this individual. To change laws means to change God's laws. That God's law don't work anymore. And nobody believes Thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, because they're the masters at it. And about keeping yourself clean and pure and holy and all those things, that's not going to be the, you know, the characteristics of this last world government, is holiness. It's not going to be there. It's going to be every form of wickedness that man in his wicked mind can ever think of. And man is going to do as wicked as he possibly can. And get what he says here in verse 11. For this cause... God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, God doesn't make people believe the lie. But because you harden yourself from believing truth, you will believe a lie. And so during the tribulation period, the master deceiver, the liar himself, the lie, that's him. That's the devil. And he will have his little... Uh, army of individuals, and they're going to deceive the world. Now go back to the book of Revelation chapter 13. And you'll notice there in uh, verse 4, And they worshipped the dragon, 
and which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So we know that whoever this is, nobody will be able to make war with him. Now, we're living in a time right now, people can make war with America. Uh, it, it, whoever starts it, well, we just annihilate each other. I mean, Russia's got all kinds of missiles, and China's got all kinds of missiles, and we got all kinds of missiles. And so let's just all fire them at the same time and see who comes out. Well, I don't think that's too good of a deal. You might annihilate them, but they might annihilate us. So this last one, he says, who, 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 who can whoop this last one? So it's going to be interesting how all of this plays out. But look what he says. In verse 7, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Power was given him over all kindreds and nations, or tongues and nations. So you know that the Christians are going to be destroyed. They're going to be killed. In the book of Revelation chapter 20, it says they're going to be beheaded. Now remember, I mentioned this the other day. The woman of Revelation chapter 17, I believe, is the nation of Israel. And the beast is this last world government. And you don't make a peace treaty with your friends. Don't need to. They will make a peace treaty with their enemies. And so you have all these Arab countries. And all these Arab countries are going to make a peace treaty with this one little bitty nation. Don't seem fair. But they will have their own agenda. Israel will do anything for the sake of peace. Because they know they are alive only by the grace of God. Did you know that the nation of Israel can be put into the panhandle of Florida? Did you know that Florida can hold seven countries of Israel? Florida. The little old state of Florida. And it can hold seven countries of Israel. And that one little bitty country is nothing but a headache to the whole world. Israel is a headache to the world. And it says that in the last days, Jerusalem will be a troublesome stone to all the nations of the world. It is. Just like God said. So God is going to bring judgment upon this woman, this nation. So the beast is going to allow the woman to ride the beast. But the beast hates the woman. The woman hates the beast. But for mutual existence for right now, the beast will tolerate it. But then the beast, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 17, cast off the woman, burns her with fire, and eats her flesh. It means the beast is going to do everything possible to destroy, devour the woman. In chapter 12 of the book of Revelation, it says that the beast, which is the devil, knoweth he hath but a short time, and goes after the woman to devour the remnant, the seed, whatever's left, to totally annihilate the nation of Israel. And this is why only if God comes to the rescue, the knight in shining armor, and really is, a knight upon a white horse, comes back and saves the day. Kind of gets exciting, don't it? So as you go down through here and you look at this, 
And look in verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have ears, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity goeth into captivity, and he that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saint. So God's people will be living a lot different than the people of the world. And because of that, they're going to be killed for it. Now, aren't you glad that you and I live in America where we can pretty much worship God the way we want to without persecution? I believe there's a good possibility that could change very quickly. You take, for example, right now, local governments are hurting all over. And they're trying to find every way possible to get enough money to keep their, all their pensions and all this stuff alive. They've got to try to find out a way to make money. Do you realize they're talking right now about all the churches in America that are tax exempt? They ought to be paying taxes. And they don't like the idea of people even donating money to a church and then being tax exempt and don't have the church don't have to pay taxes off the money that comes in. So all the property that's owned by all the churches, think of how many places that is. And how much money they're losing. And they're going to try to do away with the tax-exempt status of all churches. And you watch because they're like lions. They're hungry. And all they eat is green stuff. And not grass either. It's green money. And they're vicious. And you'd be surprised at the persecution that can come down the road. And I have a personal view that I don't believe that the church itself should collect taxes for anybody. I don't believe that we are a tax-collecting agency for the federal government. I believe you got taxes, you pay your taxes. I got taxes to pay, I pay my taxes. But I don't believe that's the church's responsibility. That's my humble opinion. But look in verse 12. The second beast is just like the first beast. It's just like the Holy Spirit is just like Christ. And then you got God the Father. So you have the Holy Trinity, the unholy Trinity, taking place in Israel, coming to rule the world, just like what Christ was going to do. He's a copycat, but he's a liar and a deceiver. And Israel probably no doubt thinks in their mind, the Messiah is here. Because Christ says, somebody else comes in their own name, him they will believe. And he, the false prophet will do everything possible to get the people to worship him or have the people killed if they won't do it. So he does all kind of wonders and signs and miracles and so forth and get him to worship the first beast. Now look down there in verse 16. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Now in the Old Testament, you'll find where the Bible talks about the phylacteries, talks about the word of God upon their foreheads, talks about the borders of the garments and so forth. Uh, it talks about uh, the word of God being upon the, you know, the doorpost and all over the house so that you see it. And you're always thinking about because God wants it in your mind. So in your forehead could be a reference to what a man really thinks and what he really believes, what's in here. God says, until I seal my people and the other people, the Lost people are going to have a seal. Uh, whether or not it's a, well, God knows these are mine because of what they believe, and these are not mine because of what they believe. 
These believe the truth. Those believe a lie. God knows the difference. But whether or not it's a literal sign or mark that's put up on your head, I don't know. Or like some have said, whenever you have somebody haul off and, and hit you, and you, next day you've got a black eye, you could say, you know, somebody really left their mark on you. I've had people take their fist and hit me in the face as hard as they can. It hurts. It really does. But I've had it. Paul says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Now what these marks are going to be, or the sign that somebody is yielding themselves to this last world government, in connection with you can't buy or sell without having the mark of this last world government, could be a literal card, a number, some kind of, uh, you know, embedded chip into your body, a vera chip or whatever. We're living in a time when it, it is possible. And wouldn't that help solve some of the problem in America? We would not have to worry about those illegal aliens. We would know who everybody is and where everybody's at, except them. We would know where everybody else is. And that, but that'd be the citizens, because they're the only ones that would do it. I'm glad that I know the Lord and that I'm going to heaven when I die. I enjoy studying and reading this stuff, but I'll have to admit, there's so much of it we don't understand this side of eternity. So that's why he says, I believe. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. That means you might have to be here when the beast is here. I'm not there. But I, um, I, I, I got news. If the rapture took place, we still got seven years to go. Then we still got another thousand years to go. So just, just hang on for a little while longer. I do believe the Lord could come back at any time. And I'm looking for that. Look up here just a minute. This is the best way to get ready. The best way to say, um, I'm good to go. I led a person to the Lord out in Hawaii, I think it was. And that's the first time I ever heard somebody say that. I'm good to go. Anyway, this is you and me. This is sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us, hates our sin. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from the Lord in a place called hell. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, you have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect, none of us are righteous. We're all sinners. And we've come short of God's perfection. And to pay for sin, death and hell. Since everybody sins, everybody's condemned. We're all in the same boat. God says that you and I, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot earn our way to heaven. I was talking to them at the Bible study today. And I told them, and I mentioned this a little bit last week. That a lot of us, we do all these bad things in life. And so we have all this indebtedness. You know, I got 20,000 points against me. But if I go to church, oh, that'll be worth a thousand. So I get to deduct a thousand. And then if I, uh, you know, if I read my Bible, that ought to be worth 500 points. So I get to deduct another 500 points. So my goal is, is to try to pay down my debt before I die. So I'm hoping that I live long enough to do enough good to pay down my debt and try to do the best I can so that whenever I die, I get to go to heaven because my debt's paid. You said, people don't believe stuff like that. Yes, they do. 
Because they think their being good is going to get them to heaven. Same thing. They think their going there is a result of being good here. It won't, it won't work that way. You see, I have this debt, and it grows every day. I can't pay down on the debt. I guess this must be one of these interest things that just keeps multiplying. And it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It must be like the federal deficit. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And it's growing and growing and growing. But see, Jesus Christ, he came and he paid my whole sin debt. So he paid for it in full. So all I had to do was believe he did it for me and trust him as my Savior. I get to go to heaven. Got no debt to pay. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, he was your payment for sin. He was your payment. The debt is paid. And therefore, I get to go free. My debt paid in full. Isn't that good news when you really stop and think about it? It's best in the world. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because He loves us, hates our sin, because it separates us from Him. Took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. He said, if I would believe it or you would believe it, anybody, whosoever, believe it in Him. If you believe He did it for you. Should not perish. That means you will not go to hell, but have everlasting life. You get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for you. Good news. Let's pray, shall we? If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I would do so. I really would. I think it's the most intelligent thing to do. I think it's a sign of uh, a wise individual. Only a fool would turn down a free gift. So, friend, right now, in the quietness of this moment, just between you and the Lord, why don't you just talk to him and say something like this, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong. And I believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross for me, that he paid for my sins. And right now, I accept him as my Savior. Now, friend, if you trust him right now as your Savior, that means he saves you from hell. He gives you eternal life. And so when you get up to leave, you can say, I know I'm going to heaven because today I trusted Christ as my Savior. I know I have eternal life. And God said he'll never cast you out and never lose you. You can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. Is there anyone at all before we close? Say, yes, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ as my Savior and preach. I'd like you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? If you're watching by Internet and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, friend, I urge you right now, the best you know how, accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. God said he would save you and give you eternal life, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. You cannot earn it. You can't work for it. You cannot buy it. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together, for the study of your word. And we pray that as we do so, Lord, we know that there's a lot of things that we'll never grasp, we'll never understand at all. But Father, we do pray that because of it, it challenges and motivates us to be found faithful with the time that we have, knowing that one day it's all going to come to pass, just like you promised. So bless each one here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.